your friends. Of course, I go by the name of the kid, famous. You and now tuned into the Tim and Friends show. Hello, education, entertainment, coast to coast. Ball it up, call it entertainment. Let's get this started. Uncle Tim, let's start this show in five, four, three, two, one. Let's go. I know it feels like we do this every weekend. I know it feels like we come back every Monday and we want to hit a button like... my god what a weekend game seven weekend did not disappoint and fittingly there were seven of them all winner go home yeah but each one had a different story a different path a different outcome when myself and Sid Sixero first got a television show back in 2004 20, 20 years ago or something like that. I like the whoa. Shut <laughs> up. One of the first segments I pitched was something called I missed on purpose. I'd get in trouble. There'd be like HR and stuff <laughs> right. like that. You want me to hit on purpose? No, it was close. Right. It was close yeah. for your left hand. I'm impressed. I'm, I'm left handed. Oh, yeah, right. Oh! Yeah, yeah. Got it. Goalie. Nice Still pitch. got it. Still got it, baby. But one of the first <laughs> pitches that I had on our show back in 2004 was why we love sports. Yeah, ESPN happened to do it like a decade later. I'm sure it was just coincidence or something like that. Anywho, why we love sports was kind of self-descriptive, but it closed every show, and it could be anything, anything at all. Reasons why we loved sports, why we fell in love with sports, why we continue to love sports. But for me, nothing does it like what we saw on the weekend. I mean... What else but sport could make us gather like this, especially in the times that we find ourselves in today, where we turn on any newscast or open social media and the focus, the screams are solely about our differences. It's depressing. It divides. Bleep that. This weekend in three cities, in our lovely country at least, we united in a way only sports can. Maybe music. Maybe. But in music, you don't get the moments. Like, even if it's just the shared misery of one of those moments, being able to look at one another and completely understand the pain immediately. There is value in that, even if you can't see it in the moment. But the contrast of that was the sheer elation of a Game 7 clincher. Dare I say, we dream of overtime winners in the scenes that follow that stuff right there. The Game 7 clinchers. That is the stuff of legend. He still has it. He shoots. He scores! It's the Connor McDavid show. Needs a pass to Leno. Stopped by Andre. Took it off the goal. Scores! Oh, that's so awesome. The dude that said the joy of victory and the agony of defeat, he, he knew what in the hell he was talking about or whoever wrote it for him. <laughs> uh, and just a note to Leafs fans, I know you don't want to hear it now, but ask Red Sox fans, ask Cub fans, all that losing will make it even sweeter when you get there. I know you don't want to hear it. I'll shut up. Enough of that. We'll, we'll get to Luca's crowning. We'll get to the Celtics' decrowning of the Bucks. We'll get to... Maybe the end of the pens as we know them. Mm. And we will get to the Battle of Alberta and what the hell that means. We will also clear some time, though, for the airing of the grievances for Leafs fans. 
I know despite what I said about the darker days and the sweeter the juices or whatever the hell I was trying to say, that you Leaf fans are pissed off. You're dejected. Some still even optimistic after all that. And as is always the case here on Tim and Friends, we will give you the space to breathe, to exhale, and to tell us what you think. I got a feeling, Jesse Rubinoff, you will be busy today. Mm. Are you already busy today? A lot of sheets, yeah. Uh, a lot of tweets. are rolling in. Sheets and tweets today. Sheets and tweets. Sounds like a good weekend. <laughs> Anthony Stewart will drop by. Shai Davidi gets a set for the struggling Jays as they open a homestand where they need to make hay. And Gene Principe and Eric Francis on what to expect from the Battle of Alberta for the next two weeks to a month because the one that gets through, they are going to the conference final. I think we got enough for the day. So let's get to first things first. And Jesse Rubinoff, so time to kick it off. German Titoff. <laughs> first things first. first. All right. He played for both. Oh, no. Ah. No. Ah. No, the one thing that could ah. no. I'm <laughs> no. going tomorrow, Jesse. I'm going tomorrow to get this looked at. Yeah, I'm kidding. <laughs> Oh, you should have just tried it. Like a body, like you know those receivers, the possession receivers that catch a body first. Yeah, you don't should catch, that no one. one catches a body first. Yeah, whatever. Okay. You catch uh, it with your hands. Yes, only if you have just, hands, which you have like, what, nine fingers. Okay. It's good vibes only in Alberta on this Monday, and Flames and Oilers fans have a really fun couple of weeks to look forward to. Leaf fans, though, not so much. Once again, in Toronto, they're looking for answers there was after no, Saturday. There was no chance you were starting with the Flames and the Oilers. <laughs> well, we'll get there in just a second. Uh, Saturday's <laughs> lost to the Lightning and another first-round exit. we got to put this one to bed, Timmy. That's seven straight series okay. losses All in right. the opening round, five in a row in winner-take-all games. What's up? Where do they go from here? Before you know where you're going, you have to know where you've come from. And this season, this disappointment to end the season for the Toronto Maple Leafs was harder for me to grasp than the rest. Franchise records for wins and points. Marner and Matthews had two of the best individual seasons in the team's, what, like 100-year history? But, and Carlser makes a lot because this is a big butt and I cannot lie. The Leafs had a 3-2 series lead. They need to finish. Like like it or not, reputations are built and busted in the postseason, and this is professional hockey. This is not a novice group trying to build for the brick tournament. This is pro hockey, and you need to finish. The Toronto Maple Leafs once again needed to show the killer instinct, and they simply couldn't finish again. I mean... There was no glaring lack of effort or fight in game sixes and seven, or game six and seven. Mm -hmm. But let's be honest, they laid an egg in games two and four and early in game five. You cannot have that if you want to be that team. Some perspective here, Tampa laid two eggs in games one and three, and today people are saying they have the heart of a champion. But the Leafs didn't finish, and they were up 3-2, And that's enough that needs to be said here, no? Yeah. I mean, four we made a big deal about. Uh, I can remember Sheldon Keefe came out after game four and said we were kind of content with the split. That was a successful road trip for us. And ultimately, they weren't ready to go in that game. And when it comes down to it, 
what you're talking about, Killer Instinct, that could have been a real moment where That's you, you grab them by the stranglehold yeah. in the series. And when you're going up against the two-time defending champions, that is what you have to do. Right. You have to do that. Now, it's hard to do that, and yes. we understand but that. But they laid an egg that game. But That's you, it. You can't poop they your didn't, They did not show up in that game. Uh, that's one thing. And then when you look at the series as a whole, like, look who won it for the Lightning in Game 7. It was a depth guy. It was Nick Paul, right? Right. And the Leafs had too many passengers when it mattered most. Their big stars showed up, which is a change from what we've seen in previous postseasons. Mm-hmm. But did you hear anything from the, the Kashas, the Mikheyevs, the Engvalls, yeah. the Kerfoots, those guys in the big games? And it's a tough ask. But when it comes down to the Stanley Cup playoffs, that's what you're going to need. Yeah, you need, a you little, need everything. You need a little bit of everything. Right. You need a little bit of everything. And I think that that, like, listen, you, it's easy to point to stars, and we do that all the time, and we're going to yeah. get into that a little bit later. Like, listen, Johnny Gaudreau scored a game winner that will go down in Calgary Flames history. If yep. he doesn't score that, if one of those posts from the stars goes in, he finishes with one goal in the postseason and they're out, he's absolutely hearing it, right? Totally. But this is the fine line, the razor's edge. And and I've said this before, I will say it again. It doesn't matter how pissed you are. If you have a good franchise, the team will look at it like this. One team wins the Stanley Cup Mm -hmm. or the NBA title or the World Series trophy, and the rest are building. The question is, are you building the right way? Do you think you are close? Are you on the right trajectory? And the answer for the Leafs to a lot of that is yes. Their two best players, maybe three depending on your view of Nylander, are younger than their Rookie of the Year nominee. They're still a good young team. Messing with Matthews and Marner would be foolish. A generational scorer, a generational passer. So where does that leave you? And for me, it's a lot. Like, the question the Leafs need to ask is, are they built to win when it matters most? And I'm not sure they are. Just think about it like this. The Bolts can win any game you want. They can win a 2-1 game. They can win a 6-5 game. They can win a rough and tough game. They can win with their goaltending. Can the Leafs do that? Can they even win the 2-1 game? Because they've been in it, and they couldn't. The Leafs have played a do-or-die game in each of the last five seasons. They've lost all five. And in the last four, they've scored a grand total of three goals in four elimination games. That's just not good enough for a team built on offense. And so I think that they need to look at the way they're built and figure out if this can get it done. Because you either got to run teams out of the barn or you got to learn to play a bunch of different ways. And for me, I'm not sure the Leafs can win those games. We saw it a couple times in the regular season where it was like a 2-1 game, and you thought, hey, if they can do that when it matters, right. then this is a different Leafs team. But you either got to run a team out of the barn with your skill or learn to play a bunch of different ways. You can't be half pregnant here. So there's this narrative out there that the Leafs should like run it back and not make any significant changes. But the reality is when you look at the team on paper heading into next season, there are going to be some significant changes, maybe not to the core four unless you decide to do something there, but they only have 13 NHL players on the roster as it stands right now with not very much salary cap room. So they have a lot 
to do. A lot needs to be done. They have a lot of UFAs. Jack Campbell's due for a raise. The Riley contract extension kicks in next year. So what exactly are they going to do? They have to basically, what Kyle Dubas has been doing the whole time, which is tinker around the edges with the third and fourth line guys. Do you think that's enough? You have to get lucky in this in this business. And the way that I, I feel luck comes in the postseason is getting guys that are willing to truly pay the price. And I didn't feel like this team was built that way. And this team has never been built that way. Okay, so here, here's where I, I agree with you. Yeah. And I think you're walking down a road that I'm willing to walk. And tell me if you are. Yeah. So I already said I wouldn't touch Marner and Matthews. Yeah, you, you can't. You I don't think you can do anything with Tavares at this point. He's no move. And I think that value and contract are two different things, and oftentimes fans get those two confused. He's still a valuable player, mm-hmm. but you can't trade him because of his contract. I would trade Nylander. And if you watch this show, and you know this because mm-hmm. you're sitting here with me, mm-hmm. I'm a fan of Nylander. I think he's a really good, skilled player. I think he is Phil Kessel to Electric Boogaloo. And Phil Kessel, the one that the Leafs chased out of town, ended up going to Pittsburgh where he was a third wheel, there was no pressure on him, and he could have been the Conn Smythe Award winner twice when they won cups. He was a remarkably valuable piece to the Pittsburgh Penguins. So why would I get rid of a piece like that? Because he's your extreme value. You're trading him on a high. Mm -hmm. What did he have this year? 80 points. 80 points and 34 goals. Yep. And he showed he's he's got 15 points in 14 games over the last two postseasons. He might be, with that contract, your most valuable guy. And what I would do with a Nylander deal is I would get skilled toughness back. And I'm not talking about, like, middle of the fourth line or third line or a fifth defenseman i'm talking about true skilled toughness back in return so that you can win a few of those games that i'm talking about because i don't know if you have that depth on your team and i'm i'm almost shocking myself because i have i have supported nylander for a long time because he's remarkably skilled Mm -hmm. and young but you've got that on the team there's some, there's some repetition in Kyle Dubas's lineup, and there has been for years. Look on the defense core, right? He's had that same similar puck-moving guy, and what you're realizing now is you need different pieces in order to win when it matters most. And for me, I, I, I think there could be a drastic move without touching too much of the rest of it. But in terms of, so Matthews and Marner, Tavares can't move, Dubas and... Keith, and I'd Shanahan, I'd say, I would 115 keep, points this year. I would, yeah, you set franchise highs and wins. And I know people, I am not the scapegoater. I am not even scapegoating Nylander. No. I'm not saying he was the reason they didn't win. I'm saying he's the most valuable piece in this team that you can get back what you need. Yeah. And what you need is skilled toughness. And depth, too. Yeah. Like, if you can get two guys that make 3 to $4 million at good value... When you're giving away Nylander, it's almost like a reverse Kawhi. Right. You're trading away the high-end talent, and you're getting back some more balance in your life. But you also could get high-end talent back. Like, I'm not, I'm not necessarily agreeing with you that you need two, $3 million players that are good and give you depth. Like, you might be able to go out and get a real 
and yeah. I don't care if it's a defenseman yep. or a forward, like real skilled toughness because Nylander is that valuable right now on that contract. Uh, so you mentioned that we were going to let Leaf fans uh, air their grievances. We sent this out after the game, got a lot of really good responses. I'm going to get to a couple here, just plant the awesome. seed, and you can uh, weigh in as uh, you see the first response here on the screen. AJ wrote in and said, something to be said for moral victories, said no one in the Stanley Cup playoffs. <laughs> Don't fool yourself into thinking otherwise they lack the winning gene chemistry. That's, that's so, that one is so tough, like they, they just can't do it. Yeah. Like think of Kerfoot in game number six. The Tavares feed to Kerfoot in front of the net. You get stopped once. The rebound misses by this much. Mm -hmm. This much. Mm -hmm. And that's the difference between you saying they just don't have it and they have it. That to me is hard to swallow. I'm going to be honest. That's hard to swallow. Saying they don't have it makes it tough. Even though, I just pointed out, they've lost five in a row. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot. Uh, tweets from Jay says, Leafs can go 82-0 and next season, and it means nothing until they can do something in the playoffs. Tim, we said that exact thing all year. Yeah, we said that thing. thing about the Leafs this year, and here we are once again, uh, a first-round exit yeah. for the Leafs. Uh, Scott says, I'm not even a Leafs fan, and I'm sick of seeing them get bounced in the first round every year. <laughs> uh, Will says, no grievances. They played as hard as I've seen any Leaf team play. That kid's young. Uh, Mr. Perfect, time for a culture change. This organization hasn't built a fighting team in ages. Lose a game, come back fierce, no sacrifice when needed. Bad coaching strategies, just wipe the system. It doesn't work. I think what I've found in reading these responses is that it's a very confused and conflicted fan base because they, they ask because I agree with you yeah. yeah yeah they earn more respect from their fan base than in any previous playoff series but for a large contingent of the fan base respect isn't enough right and Sheldon Keefe said this we're not in the respect game we're in the winning game Sheldon Keefe doesn't make many mistakes that was a mistake what that we earned respect in the handshake line yeah but he fought I mean he fought in fairness he followed it up and said we're not, I know, we're not here to, for respect we're here to win he sends matter. the wrong message? Yeah, he, he sent yeah. – people lose the context, and that's unfair, <laughs> you take, but that was a mistake. That's right. Yeah, you just take the – they earn respect and the handshake. In line. this business, you got to stick around. Even the, the guys in Hockey Night in Canada were talking about yeah. it, right? Like yeah. right after handshake <laughs> line respect. What are we talking about here? That's a fair point. Everything uh, gets lost in context these days. Dog writes in and says, yeah. Tim and Friends started in 2004 – same last Leafs won a first round. Oh, no, that is a, yeah, that's Are you pinning this on Sixero and I? Sixero's at home getting it's slandered for no name, reason. Yeah, a different name of the show now. There's yeah. reasons to slander yeah. Sixero. You don't need to make it up for no reason. Very good. Very attentive. Uh, uh, we'll get to the, gre the, the airing of the grievances. Uh, send it in. Uh, we're going to read them all. Yeah. We'll try and add a little bit on, but if you have something to say, let us know. At Tim and Friends, Jesse will take care of it. Love it. Okay, let's get to the uh, positive stuff and get away from the Maple Leafs because Tim mentioned off the top, absolute scenes in Calgary and Edmonton this weekend as Flames and Oilers fans celebrated Game 7 wins. Johnny Goudreau with the OT winner ending an unbelievable game in Calgary last night and Connor McDavid with a dominating performance Saturday in the Oilers 2-0 win over the Kings. Setting up the first playoff battle of Alberta since 1991. Who was the biggest winner in Alberta this weekend. Those fans that we showed you. And and not just because of this weekend, though this weekend was like, just think of the buildings. The buildings were absolutely shaking. And then outside of the buildings, in uh, what we're calling the Moss Pit, which is what I love, uh, named after Joey Moss. And here, like, 
Unbelievable. The red lot was absolutely bouncing, but even though both of those places were amazing, now you follow a pair of legendary Game 7s with the Battle of Alberta and the promise that one of them is going to be in the conference final and the other one will be forced to hate watch <laughs> that team in the conference final. I think that the winners are the fans yeah. and especially the fans who make it through uh, what will stir back memories for many, though there's a generation that have never seen anything like this at all. It's too long. Like, look, look at the footage. It's grainy. Like, it's been, it's been too it's long. Standard definition, Jesse. <laughs> no, the standard definition is like, oh, this is, yeah, that, I mean, this is not playoff stuff. So there you go. Um, going into the Battle of Alberta here, um, do you think the Calgary Flames, given what they just did and what they just had to go through, like, <laughs> we, we talk about it all the time, having to go through a seven-game series, a grueling seven-game series. No, both series. of them went through it. You think so? Yeah, both of them, it's a soft. Like, I don't know if one was more emotional than the other. Like, if you tried to give one of them more maybe because Edmonton's had more time off but they're going to start on Wednesday yeah. I think it's soft I don't think I think both of them went through something very emotional something very exhausting something very uh, draining and I love this view yeah. of this goal from the crowd just shaking yeah. it's so awesome and and just I, I think that we're going to have a soft they'll start clean and you can't diminish what we're about to see with anything save for one. What? The health of Leon Dreisaitl. It's so big. It's the X factor of the series. But he just played 24 minutes. I know. Like, I don't know how he played it or what he played it with. We're hearing maybe high ankle sprain. We know Leon's not going to say. We sure as hell know that Jay Woodcroft isn't going to say anything. But Leon Dreisaitl playing that much with that injury is near jaw-dropping, almost as jaw-dropping as the performance that we saw. This is so gross. Did you see the close-up of what Mikey Anderson did? No. Mikey and there's a close-up, and I wish I had told the crew to get it looked at, but there is a close-up of Mikey putting the knee behind the knee in order to pull him back. And you get like a slew foot. No, but it's it's not. It's like when they teach you self-defense mm -hmm. and you lock up and you pull back. Like it's almost as if he had done some grappling in his time and decided, and it's at the start of all that, if you guys want to roll it one more time, but at the start of that, Mikey Anderson pulled All guys in Edmonton know. Look, he puts the knee behind and he pulls back. Like Stay he did it dangerous. on purpose dangerously. And we let guys like that get away with it, but whatever. I'm not going to stop on that. Leon Dreisaitl was amazing, and Connor McDavid was unbelievable when it mattered most. And Leaf fans comparing McDavid to Marner or Matthews and saying, oh, their best players showed up at the right time. He was playing L.A. He wasn't playing Victor Hedman in the two-time defending cup. Like, the false equivalency that goes on this time of year is disgusting. I thought Connor McDavid was unbelievable, best player on planet Earth again. But don't compare doing that against Sean Dursey, with all due respect, to Victor Hedman. Yeah. Like, it's not even close. I mean, Matthews also led the team in points. <laughs> In the series, like he did what no, he I know, tried. But there are to people, you know, there I, are people I out there saying, "Where was game he?" Seven. Need him to score that game winner yeah. in Game Seven, 
and or need Marner to set up or I hear you like and it's just they're two different things playing against the Kings and with all due respect to the stars is not even close although Ottinger dear God can we just give yeah him we gotta votes? talk about it can we but, just give him votes for Con Smythe yeah he'll get a few I'm sure <laughs> which is insane like you're a goalie how do you even describe what happened last night it is Probably the greatest feeling you can possibly have playing sports when you lock in. I don't think this just applies to goalies. I think it applies to all athletes. When but a goalie can do it more than anyone else because they get the opportunity. Yes. Like he got, what, 65 opportunities? It's like when a guy gets hot. Like when Steph Curry gets hot from three, the basket, he says, the basket feels bigger. Right. The puck looks like a beach ball to Jake Ottinger when he's playing like that. It's just the way it goes. It's, it's something with focus in the brain. And he just... It was unbelievable. And I started to think as the game went on, like, it's almost felt inevitable that they were going to win. That Dallas was going to win yeah, because of Jake Ottinger. It. Yeah. it was like 60-plus shots. What did the Flames have to do yeah. the Goudreau, to win the game? The Goudreau goal wasn't elation. It was relief. Right. It would have been an injustice <laughs> to have Oh, dear God, run. we can beat this yeah. guy. Listen, Jake Ottinger, take your bow. Popped it up to Goudreau. Stern, that goes up, with a rebound, stopped by Ottinger. In front, DeGroote, turned a little by Ottinger again, led the right pad on that chance, shoots, turned away, rebound, stopped by Ottinger. Here's DeGroote with a shot, glove, saved by Ottinger. I'm flabbergasted. Remarkable save, plays it over, stop, rebound, Hanneman turned aside, in between the pads of Ottinger. I'm running out of words to describe this goaltender's performance. One of the greatest goaltending performances we've ever seen in the think that I've ever seen. That's the level of, of goaltending I expect for myself, and I think I can be a great goalie for a long time, and I'm going to do everything I can to make sure that you know, I get this opportunity again, and, and I'll make sure I'm on the other side of it the next time. I love the calmness that he showed. Like, even mm-hmm. when those Flames fans were trying their best to get into his head, like, he still stayed the even keel... And the, the comparison that the Hockey Night crew, they said, a young Carey Price. Price. Yeah, so I was going to say that. Yeah. So good. Unbelievable. Uh, great performance, but we do end up getting the Battle of Alberta, which everyone in this country can be thankful to see. It's going to be fun. Uh, there were also a pair of Game 7s in the NBA on Sunday, but neither was particularly close. The Celtics knocked out the defending champion Milwaukee Bucks behind a surprising career high from Grant Williams. Look out. While Luka Doncic had 35 points as he and the Mavs laid an historic beating on the Suns at home, 123-90 the final. How would you describe what Luka did to the Phoenix Suns last night? In the immortal words of Jim Ross, he chokeslammed him. <laughs> he chokeslammed him to hell, Jesse Rubinoff. Get the he, table. He chokeslammed him to hell. That was as good a performance as we have seen in a long time in the NBA. And all I need to do is read one stat. And that is points per game in elimination games in NBA history. Do you know who has the highest points per game in elimination games in NBA history? Tell me it's Luka now. It is Luka Doncic. Unbelievable. By a significant margin, 38.3. And that also comes with him spending the entire fourth quarter on the bench (laughs) because they blew them the bleep out. What Luka's done over the last little while is near jaw, it's more than jaw dropping, and I say jaw dropping too much. It, he put on an absolute show and put 
the sons in the spot where they were absolutely berated online. Yes. I mean, it was coming fast and furious because, you know, people make a big deal about how good Luca was on the other side of it. Probably uh, some form of a choke job from the Phoenix Suns. And I went and collected a couple uh, tweets that I thought were, might provide us some uh, humor. So, uh, Melissa Rowland um, sent out a quote from Chris Paul that said, I have a text from my son after the game saying, let's get in the gym. That was quote t- tweeted with, son sees a chance to beat him in one-on-one. <laughs> wow. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Ooh. Ooh. Keep going here. Um, in August 26, 2021, Chris Paul says he's addicted to playing in the NBA Finals. Now that I've got a taste of what that experience is like, I'm sort of addicted. Quote tweeted, congratulations to Chris Paul for beating his addiction. Very good. Oh my. <laughs> the Phoenix Suns this year. Remember this Atlanta Hawks team? They were regular season uh, yes. best in the league and then just flamed out in the postseason. And then old NBA tweets, this how long Chris Paul been choking and that is Chris Paul on the New Orleans Hornets back in the day, I believe. And then the graphic updated to NBA 2K22. People, people don't like uh, Chris Paul. Eh? Yeah, I think part of it is the talking he, to the officials all the time and the whining. No, apparently he's not a nice guy all the time. I'm sure that factors into. <laughs> right. Uh, there's one thing that I do want to mention. And oftentimes I say things on this show. And I don't yell them. I don't scream them. I don't make... Um, Stephen A. or yeah. Skip Bayless-like uh, pronouncements on the show, but I like to think I know what the bleep I'm talking about, and I feel like maybe sometimes I should yell and scream more often, but you and I were killing a segment when Kenny the Jet Smith backed out on us. He was supposed to be lined up, and we ended up talking about Luka Doncic, mm-hmm. and I asked you if he needed to make everyone else around him better, and at the end of the series, I'm like, what an idiot I am, talking about Luka needing to make everyone else around him better. He was unbelievable, and he was. And then I saw Mark Jones, Paul Jones' brother, Mm -hmm. who did game six, and he talked to Jason Kidd. And one of the criticisms I had about Luka Doncic in the moment was that he played a little too much like James Harden. Remember, Jesse? Wow, yeah. Here's Mark Jones. Jason Kidd told me before game six that I called that Luka has to evolve to defend. He said the model for Luka is LeBron, who controls the game at both ends. Right now, kids said Luka is trying to trend away from Harden, and the goal is LeBron. Luka ain't Bird. He's more LeBron. I mean, credit to Jason Kidd for identifying that, because that's how he should be playing. He has that ability. Agreed. Yeah. Uh, we've got a ton still to come on this show. Shai Davidi on the Struggling Jays ahead of their opener with the Mariners. Eric Francis, Gene Principe as we begin our countdown to the Battle of Alberta. And after the break, Anthony Stewart pops by to discuss... The Oilers and the Flames, and maybe a little fallout from the Leafs' first round exit. Tim and friends, what a Monday. 27 point lead, down goes Johnson, three lead. Oh no, they're shredding him. Oh no, he didn't. Luka Doncic is absolutely putting on a show here. Were you aware at halftime you had as many points as the Suns? Oh, yeah, of course. <laughs> The Pirates are no hit, but win the game. Popcorn coming at you. Look at that. Oh, so you don't need to spend a lot of money on an expensive baseball glove. It's right in there.
tremendous 18 years of playoff agony. Game seven, one, or done. Nick Paul picks it up. Scores! Nick Paul with a silencer. More heartbreak in Toronto and another summer of what did not go right. It's hard to explain. No, we're right there. Right there. This one hurts more because you come that close against that team. We're getting sick and tired of feeling like this. For Connor McDavid and the Edmonton Oilers, it all comes down to this. Game seven, McDavid, he's on the prowl. CC shoots, score! Unbelievable impact Connor McDavid is having. He shoots, he scores! It's the Connor McDavid show! He's the best player in the world. He was amazing. They've punched their ticket to the second round. For the first time in the series, we are headed to overtime, and it's in Game 7. Another one! How? They're never going to score! He's not human! The Calgary faithful doing anything they can. They're trying to get to him. The little! Right down to the end there, dream about stuff like that, you know, scoring in a game seven in overtime. Bring on the Battle of Alberta! What a bleeping weekend for hockey fans. Anthony Stewart, Hockey Night in Canada, NHL on Sportsnet joins me now. Stewie, uh, first off, like, just as if, if you can step back from your fandom, as we attempt to do each and every day as unbiased reporters here at Sportsnet, holy crap was that good hockey over the weekend. It was definitely great, regardless of who you're cheering for, um, just seeing all these game sevens. And I'm sure if uh, there was an NHL scriptwriter, they couldn't have written it uh, any better here. Just the excitement and going down to the wire, if not most, if not the games. And, you know, I watched the, uh, the Rangers and Pittsburgh game last night, too, and seeing Panarin score in overtime on the power play, too. It's just on-your-seat hockey. So regardless if you're a hockey fan or not, it's definitely exciting. And uh, I'm happy to be a part of it and, and work in the playoffs with us with Sportsnet. All right, so let's let's start with the Leafs. Uh, what happened and what do you do are the most obvious questions. Let's start with what happened. Well, I'm going to uh, quote uh, Omar Little from The Wire. And when you aim for the king, you better not miss. And I just think that's just what happened, especially in game six, going uh, you know 3-2 into the third period. And you can blame the referees. You can blame the power plays or lack thereof. Uh, they just uh, had a chance to... You know, put their foots on the necks of the defending Stanley Cup champions back to back, and they just could not get it done. So um, you can't give these guys too many opportunities. They've been there. They've got too many veteran players. They have Vasilevsky. They got Hedman. Uh, you know, they could have taken advantage of Stamkos not having a great series. Kucherov not playing that great too. So that was their prime opportunity. So um, you know, going into next year, I'm not sure what the solution is, but you know the definition of insanity. And uh, again, it's continuing to do the same thing. So I think there's going to be some changes. I'm of the opinion, yeah, some major ch- uh, uh, changes, uh, whether that's at the top. I'm not advocating for anyone losing their jobs in any sense of the word, but you're looking at the changes uh, in the National Hockey League that's been going on the last couple of weeks, months, and even hours. Uh, when you're trying to win the Stanley Cup, you've got to find ways to constantly improve and not just micro uh, improvements, big improvements. So they got some big improvements I think they need to make in the offseason uh, if they want to contend uh, for the Stanley Cup. But again, what are the expectations here? Is, is really winning the Stanley Cup in this team's purview, is it going to really hurt their bottom line? I'm not too sure. But just look around with what's going on with some of the other teams. And they're making changes with a lot less expectations. Hmm. So, so what is it that you think that they need to do? 
<laughs> You're asking me, are we on? Is this thing on? <laughs> of course it's on, on my friend. You yeah. want to talk about cats for the next 15 minutes? And, um, you know, again, I go back to my days in Florida where, you know, there we had four reporters in the room, maybe. Uh, we, we'd never make the playoffs, but I think I went through two GMs uh, and three coaching staff in four years. And that's with zero expectations. So if you want to, you know, win this Stanley Cup, you can't just say, well, we're going to do it with a, a year, a group that's a year wiser and more experienced. This is a tough market to win. In. And with those expectations, you've got to have results. And just coming from a former player standpoint, if I'm not Maple Leafs locker room or a normal NHL dressing room, I'm like, man, they're breaking this, this core apart. Uh, and, and again, can they get the job done? Yeah, I think so. But you're talking about taking the next step. And I was on the radio when I started off in this business. I was on the radio, I think, about two years ago. And we were talking about that's the year that they need to make a run. If not, there's going to be big some big changes. So regardless of what their expectations are, you got to win. You got to continually try to push the envelope to try to get better. Some changes are going to be expected. And it can't just be minor. You have to make a major move. So I'm not going to name names. That's not my job. I'll, I'll leave that to Jesse. I know Jesse's on Twitter tweeting about it right now. Uh, but something's got to be done, or it could be the same old story for the next couple of years with this group. But do you, so, like, just give me what you think they need to add. Is it toughness? Is it uh, more skill? Do they need to get? Out? Do they need a like? Do you think it's defense? Like, what what would take this group to the next level? Because listen, everyone's smart enough to figure out what it is they're going to have to do to, to, to get those things. And it's not just, it, it feels to me like there's a segment of the fan base, a bigger segment than I thought, that is saying just run it back right now. Like I okay, thought, so I've worked in this market for a long time, and I thought there were going to be a lot of pissed off people. I can't believe how many people are telling us on Twitter right now, run it back. Well, yeah, this the uh, no, I, don't, I think that's the Toronto Raptors. So they got the wrong hashtag, uh, wrong, right, wrong. But anyways, I'll, I'll put it in international ice hockey for Nintendo uh, perspective. And you know, when you're building your team, you can have a skinny guy, a medium guy, and a and a chubby guy. So I think this team has too many skinny guys. Where you have to find a way to mix in some uh, chubby and medium sized guys. So in the way that you put that in Toronto Maple Leafs perspective, they have too many guys now that are mid level, one point five to two and a half million dollar guys. They're talking about, well, we need those game breakers that are big, strong, abrasive. Well, those guys cost four and a half to six million dollars. And right. there's not enough of those guys on this roster. There's none. And you look at the revolving uh, conveyor belt of players now that are playing well. They outperform their contract and they leave. You look at the captains, you look at the Yonsons, you look at soon to be Mikhaev. Once these guys get out of that two and a half million dollar threshold or that three into the three, four, five, just based on the salary cap structure, you have to get rid of these guys just based because you can't afford them. So they have to find a way uh, in uh, layman's terms to get some more chubby guys on the roster. <laughs> I mean, listen, it, it, it's pro sports and you're paid to figure it out. I, th I think it's such a fine line. Um, I was saying like the Stars hit a bunch of posts they score the game winner instead of Calgary, and Gaudreau is being called out for scoring one goal in seven games. Instead, he's got two. He's got the game winner. He is the hero. Um, well, the Leaf Stars have two or more, um, and they're all being traded by the general public in certain circles. Is As a player, how hard is that to reconcile, that sometimes the line is just that fine? Well, I, I think it's the market, right? And when you go pie and you ask these players, you know, why they have no trade clauses to some of the markets is because of just that pressure. Uh, but again, for me, I, I always wished I played in a Canadian market. I, I would welcome that pressure. I wish, I wish, I said I would have a better career if I was playing for a Montreal or Toronto or a Winnipeg. 
but every single mistake ends up on the front page of the newspaper. And I still remember this day when I was playing in Florida with Brian McCabe, his first thing he said, he's oh, I finally got rid of the Brian McClutz uh, hashtag or name. There's no hashtags back there, but that nickname back yeah. then. And it's just the pressure, but that comes uh, with the big, big contracts that some of these players are earning. So again, the two go hand in hand, but uh, for for the, everyone to be saying, well, run it back. Well, what's going to change? And you can't just say, well, we're going to plug in some mid-level guys. You need to add some core guys at decent dollar amounts uh, that can have an impact on your roster. So with that money coming in, some money definitely have to go, goes, goes out the other way for sure. Well, I won't tell you in the first segment then that I said that I think you should trade Nylander at a high because that gives you the most value. I won't say, I didn't I, say that. I won't say I didn't say that. I'm and I am a that. Neanderthal. I my mentions. I like it wasn't him. me that said that. It was I'm a, David I'm a, I'm a, It wasn't me. I'm a, big, I'm a big Nylander fan. I'm not saying he's the reason. I'm saying sometimes in order to get value, you got to trade station, I got Nylander skate, so yeah. it wasn't me that said it. It's got an autograph right there. <laughs> yeah, there that's go, that's yeah. not me, okay? It wasn't, so it wasn't Anthony Stewart. Uh, before I let you go, just quickly, Connor McDavid. Next level generational talent and now you talk about superstars now and again i was talking about matthews you know winning the heart and all that but just seeing him take over that game every single shift and i urge people uh, if you have a chance to watch Connor mcdavid live it's it's amazing and just seeing the speed and the tenacity and just the will every single shift he does not take one shift off it is 100 miles an hour making plays he is the future of hockey he's the evolution of hockey and just seeing him now you know pretty much win that game seven by himself throwing some big hits doing whatever it takes so this edmonton oilers team and you know say what you want about the goaltending right now you got mike smith who had two shutouts in that series you know it's not going to be an easy battle of alberta for the calgary flames just because they have mcdavid and when he's playing on that level you know, seeing that goal to make it two nothing like that is will, that is skill and will. So when you add those two together, you got unstoppable, and that's what Connor McDavid is right now through the first round. He started with a bang and he ended it with a bang, Stewie. Uh, appreciate you doing this as always, and it wasn't you that mentioned Nylander in any way, shape, <laughs> or form. Thanks a lot, guys. Uh, there is Anthony Stewart joining us from the home office. All right, time for break. More hockey talk on its way. Visits to Edmonton and Calgary. Plus, we'll get your feedback on what's next for the Toronto Maple Leafs. We've given a bunch of our opinions, me, Jesse, Stewie, all weighing in. You get your chance next. And then we break down the Battle of Alberta. Battle of Alberta. Battle of Ladies and gentlemen, may I have your attention, please? It is time for Jesse Rubinoff. And the airing of the grievances. All right. Uh, before we get to that, um, Penny Packer writes in and says, if the Leafs need more chubby guys for four and a half million, sign me up. I was paying attention during the Anthony Stewart interview. Uh, does everyone know international ice hockey? Do you know what he's talking about? No Skinny idea. guys. You, don't, you didn't play that game? No. Uh, I believe it was a Nintendo game. Like the OG, uh, the OG Nintendo. This is the OG that. Nintendo and the OG hockey game, and you could only pick a group of fat guys, medium guys, right. or skinny guys. And the fat guys did what fat guys would do: they run over guys, they shoot really hard. Usually win. Yeah. No. Really? Well, you have skilled guys going faster than everybody else, but, yeah, you, but you could only choose. There weren't teams. Form a bubble of the there fat guys in front of the net and just. Well, that's what the. Uh, that's what a few teams did. <laughs> right. Uh, Blades of Steel was my favorite on the OG. Blades of 
Steel. Uh, okay, so um, we also asked, in addition to the airing of the grievances, we also asked Leaf fans uh, after 18 years without a playoff series. I introduced where, this as the airing of the no, I said, ladies and gentlemen, no. and then I did the whole thing with the And uh, now we're doing Penny Packer no, no. and this. What's going on I'm here? I'm giving the poll, and there are many airing of the grievances within this poll as well. So, Leaf fans, after 18 years without a playoff series win, what's your relationship status with this franchise? Uh, unbreakable bond. 50.3%, but what about 32.8% saying it's over? Do you, that, that's a recency bias. Right? Yeah, like okay, that's... exactly. Because Brian says, without a doubt, after yet another disappointment from my Leafs, I am done. There is absolutely no way I'm watching another game until next year. Yeah, that's correct. Yeah, very good. Nice to me. Uh, this is the first season I can remember not being mad. Rather, I am extremely optimistic, and I honestly think next season is the Leafs' year. I truly do. That was the last time we lose in the first round for a long while. Run it back. Uh, Kyle Dubas is the luckiest guy in the world. He can fail every year and never have to worry about losing his job. That is an airing of the grievance. The, the one thing I have a question about running it back is, are you switching the playoff format? No, I don't think that's in the cards. Oh. So you're going to get a tough draw again. There you go. Jason says, Leafs carried the sports spirit of our city for decades and will forever have respect and gratitude for that. It's a ball city now, though. Oh, is, it, is that basketball or base? I know he's got the Raptors logo in his profile picture, so I can I can figure it Let out. Me talk uh, ball. This is something that uh, really has I've seen a lot today. Um, the Couch GM says the Capitals could use a bit more skill. Toronto could use some toughness. Top two pieces could be Nylander and Tom Wilson. Wouldn't be bad. May need some extra pieces thrown in. That that is he's not the first person to suggest that. You know that that's something about what I'm talking about. Yeah. Uh, people need to chill. That was a tremendous performance against a great team. They lost by one goal in Game 7. Back-to-back champs. Geesh. So a fractured fan base at the moment, Timmy. That is the conclusion I can make. All right, uh, we'll get to more of the airing of the grievances. We're also going to get to the Battle of Alberta. Love it. Here we go. Time for a break. Principe in Edmonton. Eric Francis in Calgary on the way. Plus, after the break, it has been a struggle for the Jays of late. Can they turn it around back at the Dome? We'll go live to Rogers Center and discuss Shai Davidi, Mariners, and Jays coming up on the Sportsnet Family Channels. And now, time for Real Sports Talk with Tim McAuliffe and friends of the show. Just found out in the break that Jesse doesn't know what the kids in the hall is. How did I know that that was how you were going to start this? Thanks, Sheep Dogs. Back here, hour number two. Jesse, I'm asking my wife if she if she's heard of kids in the hall before. Zito, I crush you. There you go. I crush. <laughs> I crush you. I crush you. Right. That was the only funny thing in the kids in the hall. Oh, I oh, just upset a bunch. Is of people. it worth it? Full hour on sport. It was. Kids in the Hall was very either you got it and you were you like thought they were unbelievable and it's a Canadian comedy Comic troupe yeah, yeah and you didn't get it and you're like why are people talking about the Kids in the Hall I may have been on the second half of that you just opened up the floodgates here we go I did I uh, full hour of Sportsnet go. 360 you can write in about how much you hate me now because I don't like Kids in the Hall mm-hmm. Eric Francis is going to join us in that final half an hour just uh. Half an hour, 30 more minutes on Sportsnet ahead of Blue Jay Central. Shai Davidi is going to join us shortly from the field. So we'll get you up to date on the Blue Jays and the Mariners. Battle of Alberta doesn't get going until Wednesday. But 
anticipation already building for the first playoff meeting between the Flames and Oilers since 1991. Jesse doesn't remember that either. <laughs> it's never ending. I love it. We'll have coverage. I don't remember it. Throughout the series. <laughs> don't worry about it. That begins now with Gene Principe, who was at Oilers practice earlier today. Gino. The Edmonton Oilers had Sunday off as a day to rest and recover after their thrilling Game 7 win over the LA Kings on Saturday night. The only hockey they were interested in was the meeting between Calgary and Dallas, which would determine their next opponent in the playoffs. The Flames in overtime defeating the Stars, which has set up a battle of Alberta in the postseason for the first time since 1991. And the Oilers have a handful of players that have lived life on both sides of the battle, one of them. Derek Ryan was asked what life is like as a flame in Calgary compared to what it's like to be an oiler in Edmonton. You're not trying to get me to say which city's better, are you? <laughs> uh, no, they're both, they're both great places to play. Canadian markets, fans are, are very, uh, you know, into the games, uh, the, the buildings are loud and they, they want their team to win. So I think it's a similar vibe in both cities. You have friends on a lot of teams in the league now, and uh, you know. But when it comes down to it, you're trying to win a series, and um, whether it's Calgary, whoever it is, it's it's the job's the same. We're trying to go out there and and compete for the ultimate prize. The entire province is excited about it. Um, I think obviously there's a, a rivalry. Uh, between the two cities that goes back uh, multiple years and not just in the sport of hockey. Um, so everyone's excited about that. For us, what I see is two good hockey teams that are are uh, going to get the opportunity to compete to head to the third round of the playoffs. Jay Woodcroft said that there are some similarities between Los Angeles and Calgary and said as you further your way into the playoffs, it becomes a situation where it's all about second and third efforts and a find a way approach to find a way to defeat your opponent. On Monday, a number of Edmonton Oilers didn't skate, including Captain Connor McDavid of Andrew Kane and Leon Dreisaitl, the head coach saying that Dreisaitl is very good but it's now important to rest and recover and make sure that all the Oilers are ready for the Flames and prepared for Game 1 of the Battle of Alberta. Gene Prince-Bay, Sportsnet, Edmonton. Gino, we're all ready, and after missing the playoffs for the first time in franchise history, the Golden Knights fired Pete DeBoer to board the helm for two and a half seasons. This becomes the third head coaching vacancy at the moment, joining Winnipeg and Chicago, along with uh, Detroit, I think. Uh, all this because... Trotz was available, or was that divide real <laughs> no. at the end of the year? Uh, speaking of Trotz available, Isles' vacancy was filled earlier today as Lane Lambert was named their new head coach. He was an assistant under the recently fired Barry Trotz, four seasons with the Islanders before that in Washington. This will be Lambert's first head coaching gig in the National Hockey League. Finalists for the Bill Masterton Award were announced earlier today. Zidane Chara, Kevin Hayes, and Kerry Price are the finalists for the award given to the player who best exemplifies the qualities of perseverance, sportsmanship, and dedication to hockey. The winner will be announced in the playoffs a little later on. Jays licking their wounds as they open up a three-game set with the Mariners at the Rogers Center tonight. You can see it on Sportsnet and Sportsnet 1. Starting with Blue Jays, nothing to watch in the NBA and NHL. No games. Get your Blue Jays here, kids. They went 2-7 and seven on their nine-game road trip and have lost 
four series in a row to sit just a game over 500 heading into their six game homestand against the Mariners and the Reds. You say Kikuchi gets the opener for the Jays against his former team. Well Tim Mays has landed on the 15 day DL with forearm inflammation. Tyler Heineman was claimed off waivers by the Pirates. Got it good and since you understood in better news Jesse George Springer is back in center field That's, and that leading good. off. Yeah. That's good. After getting hurt on Friday Bo Bichette back in the two hole followed by Vladiente. So they go right back to the old lineup. Zach Collins will DH in bat fifth followed by Espinal Chapman Danny Jansen who catches and Lamel Tapia will be in left field. Head off for Lourdes Gurriel Jr. pregame Charlie Montoyo asked about what the key is to ending this offensive slide. Guys getting hot. One guy getting hot and, and you know hitting is contagious so passing it to the next guy and because when everybody struggles everybody feels the pressure. So hopefully somebody gets hot and, and then everybody relaxes more and we go from there. One of the reasons we're struggling because we're chasing a lot and we're behind the count so but that's why we love this game because you never know. I mean we're a good offense that's why we know and I, I feel like we, we're going to break out just whenever I don't know but we will. All right, before we get the shy Davidi kids, it is time for the Rogers Center Roof Report. Today it's open. Oh, a little throwback. Little That's Josh good. Donaldson, member of the AL East leading New York Yankees. Uh, shy Davidi is joining us now from the <laughs> Rogers Center. They open the roof for this bad boy, Shy? I can confirm it is an open roof, which is a bit of a surprise. I mean, I woke up this morning and thought this is a really good day to have a dome, and yeah. it turned out it's a, a good day to have a retractable dome. So that works. I was uh, I was walking the dog, and uh, it started pouring on me earlier this morning. And I'm going to yeah. tell you, Shy, my hair was an absolute mess. Uh, but now it looks like we got clear skies in downtown Toronto. Yeah, it, honestly, it's a it's a great night. It's really pleasant. There's a bit of a breeze. It may get cooler a little bit later on, yeah. but you know, outdoor baseball. It's uh, middle of May, about time. Let's go. All right, kids, if you're going down, bring your coats. Uh, that wasn't exactly the road trip that they were looking for. What's the talk in no. the clubhouse right now? I think there's a lot of still trying to make sense of how they're in this spot, right? Like everybody in that clubhouse believes they're much better than this. And, you know, that was a really odd road trip. You know, they were a play away in a, a few of those Cleveland games. I mean, they could have easily been 3-1 there instead of 1-3, maybe even 4-0. You know, the, they should have maybe had that first game in the Yankee series. The second one was a little messy. They had the weird ejection uh, that shouldn't have happened. Uh, you know the the and, and which Major League Baseball then quietly swept under the rug with no further discipline when usually discipline is automatic in those situations, uh, and then you know they just got raised out uh, as they usually do at the Trop. You know they just played really good, cl crisp, clean games in the first two game, uh, the first and the third game, and the one game they gave, they gave the Jays a little opportunity on the Saturday. The Jays took advantage of it. So I, I think that everyone's trying to figure out what they need to do. You know. Uh, obviously, the hitters understand the pressure on them. They understand they need to be better. But it's also maybe paying attention to little details and trying to find little contributions to maybe take some of the heat off the offense. Uh, that you know that every every one of these guys thinks that you know goes up there like I have to be the guy to make a difference. I have to be the guy to make a difference. And sometimes it's a really bad way to hit. Okay, so let me go through, through some of the theories here that are floating around Blue Jays Twitter, Blue Jays Nation, and my fat head. It looks like they're pressing. 
but does it go beyond that? Like, I know offensive numbers are down uh, across the league, but has the league also adjusted to what the Jays were doing well, like ambushing it at bats? Yes and yes, right? Like, the, for sure, they're getting pitched different. I uh, had a conversation with George Springer, and he said precisely that. You know, that uh, the, the, the way the Blue Jays play baseball is known now and that teams are going to be ready for it. So Blue Jays have to make an adjustment back. And, you know, still a, a relatively young group, particularly Vladimir Guerrero Jr., Bo Bichette, who have a ton of pressure and a ton of expectations on them. So for sure, there's some that they're getting pitched a little bit differently. And, you know, you do see signs that they're pressing, right? They're, they, when, the, when this team is really good, you're seeing them sort of just take what the other team's giving them. You know, they'll, they'll hit the ball other, the other way. They're not necessarily trying to, you know, beat shifts or, or things of that nature, but, you know, they're taking little hits and then they're building innings out of that. And that hasn't happened. It seems that they're playing for the big blow a lot of the time. And, you know, I think that's certainly reflective of a, a team that's pressing. Does, does any of that feel like the weight of expectations versus the last few years when it was a fun-loving bunch just smashing the bleep out of the ball and loving life? Yeah, I mean, for sure. But, you know, we love to think it's the external expectations. These are the internal expectations, right? right? right. Like, you know, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. and Bo Bichette are looking at themselves and they're like, why aren't we better? George Springer and Lourdes Gurriel Jr. and Matt Chapman and Danny Jansen and all those guys, you know, they, they're like, we know how good we are. I mean, Alec Manoa, flat out said it yesterday is like I know who's in that clubhouse and this is going to change so you know I, I certainly think there's some of that but I, I just think it's this team hasn't really looked in sync at all you know they they had the good start uh, they got out to 15 and 7 they were crisp but even then they didn't seem fully in sync and then you know that that's caught up to them a little bit over the past two and a half three weeks and you know I think once they start hitting a little bit obviously that'll clean up some things the starting pitching has been terrific uh you know the the relief pitching has had a couple blips but for the most part has been where it's needed to be but you know when they're tight they can still find ways to win games and when they haven't been tight that's when you know the offensive issues have really been magnified all right listen i think this team is good i think it'll iron out but i also know charlie montoyo said don't panic and then shuffled the entire lineup um I wonder how long you wait before there could be a reactionary jolt coming. Is is there any feeling like there could be, and I'm just talking about like whether it's a shuffling of the lineup, whether it's the trading for a bullpen or picking up another piece, like do you feel like there might be a re reactionary jolt coming? I don't know, maybe. I, I, I do, I think we need to keep in mind, it's like the date is May 16th. But, you know, we're still only 35 games. Like, this right. is sort of technically the beginning of May. If you're, but because of the lockout and the later start, it feels a little bit different. Right. You know, it's still a relatively small sample, but we're starting to get to the point where, okay, this might be a big enough, uh, you know, portion of at-bats where maybe you can draw some conclusions from. So, uh, you know, I... I they're certainly looking at different adjustments they can make, whether it could be on the roster, whether it's a batting order. You know, the the lineup thing I think was I thought was interesting how quickly that changed, but you know, the George Springer's absence precipitated that right. and now that George Springer's back, things are back to normal. So, you know, I, I don't think we should read too much into it, but you know, at some point something's gotta give because 
you know, it, it it's still early, but it, it can get late early too. All right, Shai, before I let you go, uh, producer Thomas Dobby and I were discussing why the hush-hush on the Robbie Ray homecoming? Like, I don't get why there's no COVID IL, there's no, like, we can't seem to get a straight answer on this. Do, do you have any sort of answer on why we're not hearing a lot about the Rock? Like, everyone just wants to say, hey, thanks, Robbie, you did a great job in Toronto. Right. Well, I mean, he's not here, so that prevents that. And I know there was some talk about maybe doing a video but or something like that, but you're not going to put up a video tribute for a guy who's not here just right. because his team is. So, you know, it, it is it is a weird situation. You know, the, the Mariners didn't bring him here. We can all do the math and figure out why he's not here. Uh, you know, the, the, the travel rules are in place, continue to be in place. And, you know, I can understand, you know, uh, somebody not necessarily wanting their their status out in public, so maybe that's part of this. But it, it is unfortunate because it would have been an opportunity for the fans to reconnect with Robbie Ray and for him to have a bit of a moment. Uh, but you know, here we are, weird times and weird events. Uh, what are the M's looking like coming in? Sorry, I didn't catch that. What are the M's looking like coming in? Like, what what do we expect in this well, series? Well, I know they had a good series in New York over the weekend. They've been, you know, a little bit uh, like the Blue Jays where, you know, they've got some expectations and they haven't really fully hit their strides yet. So, you know, they, they, they felt like, uh, you know, Scott Service said before the game, he thought really liked the way they played in New York and wanted to try and build some momentum off that. But, you know, this is a, a really intriguing matchup. You think about, you know, the... the these two teams were, you know, a, a hair away from playing a one-game playoff last year against one another, and you know each of them has made significant moves and expecting bigger things this year. So, you know, a bit of a litmus test matchup for each of them. Shy, always appreciate you dropping by. Thanks for the knowledge, man. Yeah, pleasure as always, guys. Be well. Uh, there is Shy Davidi down at the ball yard, and the, the the intriguing part of this, the similarities are like they had a similar start, 11 and 6 start to the season for the M's. Uh, after sweeping the Royals, but mm -hmm. since then just six of 19 uh, they have won. So it seems somewhat yeah. similar to what the Jays started with and where they're at, uh, but they need to make hay if you are Toronto in this series against Seattle and then, of course, against Cincinnati, who somehow no hit a team and lost. Yeah, that, that's one of the craziest. I didn't, I mean, I looked at it and I didn't understand it. <laughs> But until I looked into it. So. Yeah, I told my son, and he like, said, how does that work? Yeah, he, he's never seen that happen in his lifetime. Yeah. And I had to explain yeah. when you get a walk and yeah. you get air. And, but. <laughs> All right, time for a break. <laughs> uh, more of your feedback on the Leafs, Flames, and Oilers. Plus, it's Monday, so we'll try and make you smile. A little plays of the week, and we'll do that next right here on Tim and Friends. Get you set for a full week of action, starting with the J's and M's coming up on Sportsnet. Blue Jays and Mariners, first of the three games at UC Kikuchi. Chris Flaxen coming up, Blue Jays Central, in less than 10 minutes from now. But Jesse Rubinoff, mm. we tweeted something out that is starting to go. Did Wayne Gretzky take the Flames over the Oilers? It appears he did. It looks like uh, Wayne did a playoff bracket and took the Flames over the Oilers in the second round. And obviously, uh, people 
are going to react <laughs> to the great one making picks and picking the Flames of all teams over the Oilers. So, In Including the Edmonton Oilers themselves, yes. who we included on our tweet yeah. where it simply says, Ouch. Way. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty good. He is he is a TV analyst, is he not? Yeah, I mean he's got to, he's got to do things like this now. Right. And he works for BetMGM, yeah. which probably asked him to make predictions as well. Exactly. Come on now. All right. Yeah. So what what are we hearing? Uh, so uh, Bronski says, uh, "Wow, that's either devastating or highly motivating for Edmonton." Uh, Mark says, seems like Gretz planted that prediction as a sly way to motivate his old team. This is overthinking at its finest. Brutal signed every Oilers fan alive. And Sky says, guys, don't respect the GOAT. Even if Gretzky just did. <laughs> Hashtag, let's go Oilers. Hashtag, McDavid oh GOAT. Very, yeah. Well done, Sky. Very. Well done. Good tweet. But do, do they know that... I mean, Wayne Gretzky was asked to make his predictions, mm -hmm. and he went eight for eight in the first round. Did you know he that? Did, he did what? So, so here, here's a bad pause on Wayne Gretzky's predictions. But if you look at the Western Conference on your left, he's got Colorado, St. Louis, Calgary, and Edmonton moving through. And in the East, he's got Florida, Tampa, Carolina, and the rate. He went eight for eight. Like, this is dated May 4th. Hold on a second. He, did, he didn't guess the games, too. This is no. He didn't guess the games. What that the amount of games? No, I would have been. That would have been crazy if he got the amount of games right too. No, I got. I was. I was losing. It you for were a seeing there. this from the yeah. NHL. So eight yeah, yeah, for yeah. eight for Wayne Gretzky yeah, that's in his opening bracket. That's is that ridiculous. good news or terrible news for Edmonton fans right now? Well, he's got to be. He can't go perfect. I mean, there's no way he's going perfect. That's right. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, like, so you good. cannot yeah, go perfect. No, so if you're thinking because he's perfect right now, no, yeah. can he? Can he, it is the great one. It is Wayne Gretzky. Yeah. There are not a lot of things that I put past Wayne Gretzky. As a, I mean, that's why they made him an analyst. You know, he's Wayne Gretzky. So it's a big name to be making picks. And so far, it's working out for him. St. Louis over Carolina in the cup final. How much do you think he got for How many that? people do you think have St. Louis over Colorado in the conference final? Uh, not many. I don't think many or people in the, have. Not even the conference final. I don't in even. The second round. Right now. What? Yeah, don't worry about it. St. Louis over Carolina in the Stanley Cup yes, final. Yes, Colorado St. Louis over Louis Colorado in this round. Yes. In this round. Yes. How many people have that one? Yeah, nobody. Not many people. Me and my NHL.com bracket. And, 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 here on and the because of it, less people have it in the Stanley Cup Are you getting up for any particular reason? Yeah, I am getting What's up that? for a particular reason. What is it? <gasps> oh! Democrats Players of the Week. Should Kansas I join you? That time if you'd like yeah, to. Okay. Or you can just keep researching who St. Louis <laughs> plays this round. <laughs> Put the phone down. Put the device down for a minute, kids. It is time for the plays of the week. Jesse, don't get distracted. Let me take that device and Chris Kreider that. That's expensive. Yeah. All right. Uh, why is this guy's right arm so much bigger than his left? Oh, never mind. Never mind. Uh, we know that this guy's a little bit different because he's got a child, and so both arms are the same size. Dangerous. No, don't do that like that. I'm not a fan of that. Uh, Jesse, can you guess who this guy's a fan of? Mm, the Leafs. Bingo has Bingo. <laughs> All right, let's pull the band-aid off. Anthony Sorelli, shorthanded. What a move. Spinner, the Sorellian spinorama. Nice. That's hard for a goalie. You don't know when he's going to shoot it. Uh, Pens and Rangers. Is this Jake Gensel or Romario? <laughs> Look at this. Romario. Oh, that's nasty. Gensel get, doesn't get enough love. No, he doesn't. He's unbelievable. Everyone thinks it's Crosby. Yeah. And guess what? It might be Crosby. <laughs> Flame stars honestly can't blame these Flames fans for trying to put the hex on Jake Ottinger. 
it didn't really work. No. Look at this one on Noah Hannafin in overtime. That was when, remember I said earlier that I, I thought Dallas was going to win? That was the moment I was like, this might be inevitable. Yeah. I, well, everyone thought it. Yeah. The entire world watching that game <laughs> yeah, thought, over, that's right. you're not beating that that's guy. Right. Uh, from one amazing performance to another, McJesus. Like, second, third effort, skate the stick. It's just, there's only one guy that can do that. That's it. Right? How about Sean Dursey giving up on that, by the way? Yeah, that's tough, uh, that's tough, tough luck. luck. Yeah. Tough luck. All right, let's get to some baseball. New York, Chicago, Yankees rolling. A.J. Pollock, line of the left. Here's Joey Gallo making glove out of nothing at all. Uh, oh, yeah, he got it. I was, I was questioning that one for a second there. No, he got it. All right, let's stay in that. left field. How about that versus Randy or Rosarena? Oh, I like that one a lot better. Robert that was, yeah, no, that was levitation. He was almost vertical. And horizontal. Had to. What is it? Horizontal. And had to. Oh, my goodness. You okay today? I am. Right. You need a hug? No, vertical and horizontal sometimes gets confusing. Uh, yeah. For Alejandro Kirk, it was both. It was <laughs> vertical and it was horizontal. <laughs> Very nice. Uh, all right, Marlins D-backs, this lucky fan. Why would you try and catch with your bag of pop? Ooh. I mean, I he know. caught it, so Maybe. should we like, shut up? Maybe to go viral, I guess. What? I don't know. Why not just catch it with your hand? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I guess it's, you know, popcorn's probably expensive these days, too. Uh, how about this, Albert Pujols? Pitching. He had to say at one point to his manager, if you can get me in, get me in, right? Yeah. Like that's what happens here. Is that everything else? 50, they're winning though. 15 2 game. <laughs> Luis Gonzalez, immediate <laughs> boom. He's yeah. been on the other side of that a few what times. Ephus pitch? But then, then he settled down, Jesse, and got it done. They were all Ephus pitches. Yeah. He uh, finished with the 36 ERA and a standing ovation. Not bad. Uh, to last night, Luka Doncic. Yeah. See you later. Sorry, Cam. Better luck next year. He's got some killer in him, eh? Oh, my goodness. Like, don't piss him off. That's what you and Kenny were talking about. Yeah. He's a dog. He's got a little dog in him. And we can't forget that. In oh. game six, uh, Luca was unbelievable. We're lucky to just get to keep watching him in this part. Don't piss him off. Uh, that's the moral of the story, kids. And Draymond Green dunked, so we put it in the place of the week. <laughs> so rare. Yeah. He got Draymond up there, Green though. dunked, yeah, so we put like it in the place of the week. He could do that more often, I think. And we've seen it a bunch, but we can't see it enough. Let's revisit the Flames moment in overtime. Control in front. Needs a pass to Leno. Stopped by Ottinger. Took it up high. The goal. Score! It's over! Johnny Gaudreau wins it in overtime! Johnny Gaudreau sends the Flames to round two. Bring on the Battle of Alberta! Everyone in the red lot went vertical when Johnny scored. See what I did there? Yeah, circle back on something that you should have just left alone. No, okay. <laughs> yeah. You want to discuss all the time. who's That's Colorado playing? St. Louis. All right. I have St. Louis beating Colorado. You have St. Louis beating Colorado. Yeah, it was one of those NHL.com bracket things. You got to try, you know, you got to separate right. your Would bracket you bet somehow. that right now? Absolutely not. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Blue, Blue Jays Central coming up on Sportsnet. Jamie and Joe standing by at the Rogers Center ahead of the Jays and the Mariners. As for us, we'll continue on Sportsnet 360 as Eric Francis joins us to tee up the Battle of Alberta. Did you hear it's happening? Battle of Alberta? <laughs> Good. Several great rivalries in the NHL, but none more intense than the one you're seeing tonight, the Battle of Alberta, the uncivil war between Calgary and Edmonton. In goes 
People are going to be frothing at the mouth by the time Wednesday rolls around. The first Battle of Alberta in 31 years starts in Calgary on Wednesday. We start now in Calgary with Sportsnet's Eric Francis. What's up, Mr. Francis? Can, can, has the city come down from the high yet? No, no. You talk to anybody right now in this city, and it's just... There was so much nervousness and excitement uh, heading into that game last night. I think because people were... It was hope and dread, right? Hope that they could get it to that next round and play the Oilers or dread, you know, what, what lays ahead for the offseason. But at the end of the day, you know, I spent the entire day talking to alumni. Yeah. And from Lanny, Lanny McDonald, Joe Otto, Theo Fleury, uh, you know, Mike Vernon, these guys are like, well, Joe Otto just said to me, well, us old guys are relevant again. I didn't see that coming. <laughs> uh, it's, it's, it's fun to talk to them about it and see how jazzed they are as lanny said to me we're as alumni more jacked up about this team than we were in that 04 run which you know took over this city as well uh it's it's amazing so yes thank you for asking people in calgary are still That's losing awesome. their mind over it uh yeah. 2004 is kind of a running theme on this show i i, I was in an awe of the entire weekend about how how fine the line can be uh from yeah. winning and losing and remembering just how fun it can be after the last two years. Like, we're, we're getting to that age, homie, where we have some of the perspective of the guys that you were talking to uh, in Lanny McDonald. Well, where does this one rank for the city of Calgary? Because the, the performance that Ottinger put, put in felt like it added to so much angst in that Game 7. Well, it, it sure did. I mean, no one thought this series could go 7 without a guy standing on his head like that uh, throughout the series. And I asked Matthew Kachuk after the game, you know, did it feel inevitable? Because for most of the game, I think anyone watching thought, well, inevitably they're going to score a goal. And Matthew said, well, yeah, you could look at it that way or you could look at it like 
it's just not meant to be and we're never going to beat this guy so calgary for the most part has been on the that second part that that latter part that yeah. i just discussed where it's just not meant to be think about it tim i've cited this stat a million times but since 89 when this team won a cup they've been past the first round now just three times right. it's amazing that they could finally do this and it, it's such a hump and i don't have to tell people in toronto about the hump of getting over that first round. I don't say that to try and rub it in. I'm just no. saying people understand how hard it is. This is the first time in seven years for Calgary. I know it's been a lot longer in some other cities. Hey, hey we just watched a bunch of game sevens. I think everyone knows how hard it is to advance yeah. in the Stanley Cup playoffs. All right, so outside of Ottinger, what impressed you most about this series? That series? You know, I think it's the the even keel nature of the Calgary Flames team. They never panicked, you know, in past years when they were down a goal late or they got down a goal early, you know, they would try to ch change the way they played and press for a goal. And then they'd start allowing a bunch of goals. And Daryl Sutter's spoken all year long about structure. Yeah. And it's something that you can fall back on at all times. And I, I think that's probably the most impressive thing. And I'll say a close second is Jacob Markstrom. We did that press conference after the game last night. Nobody asked a question about Jacob Markstrom. He is completely taken for granted in this city. Yet, without him, this team's not winning the division this year. This team doesn't have home ice advantage yeah. last night. This team is not winning that series. He was amazing last night when called upon. He didn't have the same amount of shots, obviously. But there was that Joe Pavelski in alone on overtime. Uh, there, was a, there was a couple plays late in the game. Like, no, Jacob Markstrom... The unsung hero of that series, for it, sure. It is amazing that he sets a franchise record for safe percentage in a series, <laughs> and no one asks a question about him. Like, that's crazy. No one. Yeah. All right, so, so look. It's hurtful. <laughs> it's hurtful. It's, I, I don't think he minds. I think he, he's good with surviving <laughs> and advancing that series and now looking ahead. Like, we all saw the season series was tied at two. What don't we see in the boards that show us that the two teams were separated by one goal and that they split the season series? Like, what did you see in person that we need to pay attention to heading into this series? Well, you know, the Oilers won both their games early in the season and the Flames the earlier sort of thing, and then the yeah. Flames won their three near the latter part of the season. So you, you think that maybe there's a little more stock in winning the games late when the Flames were really rolling those final two months you know, let's not forget that the last time the Flames played the Oilers, the chant in the Dome was, we want 10. You know, the Flames won 9-5, to five, so it was quite a beating. I'm not sure that's the kind of thing that sticks in your craw if you're an Oilers fan and you're saying, we got to get them back for that. And I, it's a clean slate right now. What, what I'm looking for in this series is, you know, we look at those old videos and a lot of them didn't show so much of the fighting, but that was such a part of the history in 91 and all the way back. Uh, you're not going to see that this much. Matthew Kachuk just went through a series. The first three games, he was kind of nullified because he was caught up in fighting John Klingberg and getting into the rough stuff. After that, he realized, I need to calm down and just play hockey. And that's when he played better and the team played better. So I have a feeling that they're going to want to almost not avoid the rough stuff. There's going to be a lot of vitriol, a lot of shoving and pushing. But I don't think you're going to see the fights. There's certainly not going to be any goalie fights in this series. Well, they're, they're going to have to, yeah. Like, you know that both of these arenas are going to be absolutely bumping. And you're going to have to control yourself in those atmospheres because, like, let's be honest, those two arenas, that entire first round, and probably because of what we've gone through over the last two years in this country, like, are they as loud as you've ever heard them? Because through 
through the yeah. TV, it felt like they were louder than I've ever heard them. Yeah, you know what? Goosebumps when you just mentioned it. Like yeah. that moment last night, I've covered this sports scene in Calgary for almost 30 years now. And if that's that, that's a top five moment for sure, if, you know, if not right up near the top. I mean, uh, it, you know, it was just incredible that they did it at home uh, in front of, you know, 5,000 people outside. Seeing that photo that you're just showing right there, that video is just kind of a goosebump moment as well. Uh, yeah, that's that's as good as it gets in pro sports when you think about it. Yeah. Game seven with so much on the line. I know history will show it was just a first-round matchup, but given what we spoke about earlier in the hump and the history of this team, it meant so much more than just a typical first-round win. It, it, it felt like they, they got the monkey off their back. Yeah, I'm with you. I find these matchups like so intriguing. Um, you got yeah. first lines uh, that are wonderfully talented and among the best in the league. You have Lucic and Smith playing against their former teams and the history with those former teams. You got a rookie head coach against the grizzled vet and Daryl Sutter. What's your favorite storyline heading into this? Oh, I, I think everybody wants to point to Cassie and Kachuk, yeah. but I, I think that's going to be a non-entity. I don't know why Kachuk would want to get tangled up with Cassian, who's a fourth liner, who's has very little impact in the game today. I, I, I don't see that being a storyline, but we'll be watching for it. Uh, I don't know. The goaltending duel, the duel is probably, you know, one of the most intriguing to me. Mike Smith, when he was here in Calgary, it was a, you know, roller coaster ride, just like it is in Edmonton. But his parting shot in Calgary as a playoff goaltender was phenomenal. He was the best player when the Flames lost in five games to Colorado three years ago. So, He's playing like that again in these playoffs, and uh, I think that's going to be an interesting matchup. I certainly think it favors the Calgary Flames, but uh, it's a matchup I think I'll be watching very closely. And maybe we'll ask a question about Markstrom following some of the games just to make him feel better. <laughs> yeah. uh, listen, I, I think I know Canada a wee bit from my days traveling with the CFL and the NL. I called the Roughnecks Championship in that building. Yes, but, but can, you did. Can you describe what it will be like for folks like me who aren't in Alberta to have this battle going up and down Highway 2? You know, it, it's really kind of hard to describe. Just talking to Joel Otto, he say he never understood it until he caught here and became part of it right. and decided to live here afterwards because it just, the, the province gripped him and he loved it. And I think it's really cool that if there's only two Canadian teams left and they're playing each other, you know, they've got the national spotlight on them for, for the next couple of weeks. And I think that's really cool. Because I think a matchup this unique is deserving of that spotlight. And I'm glad your show and, and all the shows are going to give them that sort of credo. So, you know, think about this, Tim. Mm -hmm. there's, there's an entire generation who's seen that video of Theo Fleury losing his mind after scoring that goal. But that generation has no idea what context that celebration came in. I think people will be shocked to learn that they didn't win that series. That looked like a game seven winning goal celebration. That was a game six winning goal celebration in Northlands Coliseum. They came back to Calgary two nights later, had a three nothing lead in game seven and found a way to lose it in overtime. And, you know, I think, you know, and, and there's a whole controversy as to whether or not Theo should have been losing his mind like that, given there was still another game. Did you give the Oilers fuel? Anyway, all that history, I'm glad that with this spotlight yeah. now, a yeah. whole new generation and this whole province can get back into it. Whether you're a casual fan or not, you're going to be completely immersed in this for the next two weeks. 
And that's kind of cool because for the last two years, hockey's kind of fallen off the radar. And now it's right back in in the biggest way possible. Game one, Wednesday on CBC and Sportsnet. What's it makes it even crazier is that we're guaranteed that one team will make the conference final and the yeah. other city will be forced to hate watch. <laughs> <laughs> I know. <laughs> uh, Mr. Francis, appreciate you always. Cheers, my man. Good to talk to you. Let's talk lots. In the yeah, next we will. Weeks. We will in the next little while. There's Eric Francis in Calgary as we get set for the Battle of Alberta. You got a tweet, Jesse. Yeah, a couple of Canada soccer players weighing in on the Battle of Alberta. Sam Atacubi uh, tweeting at Alfonso oh, Davies. Nice. Calgary Sam Atacubi uh, tweeting at Edmonton's Alfonso Davies. Uh, what do you want to bet? Uh, Flames beat the Oilers. Hashtag Battle of Alberta. Then Alfonso Davies responded, that's not going to happen, but let's do it. And then Sam responded, loser has to donate $2,000 to the winning team's charity foundation and take a photo in their jersey. So great stuff from those two ahead of what's going to be an amazing series. And it's just, that's it. Call a spade a spade. That's hilarious. I, uh, I noticed that uh, Sam Atacube was uh, on his Instagram late last night, mm -hmm. early today, posting the results of Calgary. And I'm like, so cool, repping for the home city. And now the amazing. bet... With Alfonso Davies. Awesome. Good to see everyone kind of getting involved. All right, time for one last break. We'll get to our tip of the cap and last call with Jesse Rubinoff next, right here on Tim and Friends. Rogers presents Stanley Cup Moments. moments like this live enter for your chance to win a vip trip to the 2022 stanley cup final enter now at rogers.com stanley cup i can't win but i may be able to go with you <laughs> tip of the cap monday goes to freddie van vliet who has been named as one of five finalists for the kareem abdul jabbar social justice champion award the raptors all-star guard created a full academic scholarship for black and indigenous students at the University of Toronto and is involved in several other community projects. The other finalists, Jaron Jackson Jr., Drew Holiday, Reggie Bullock, and Carl Anthony Towns. The winner will be announced during the Western Conference Finals and the NBA will donate $100,000 to the winner's chosen charity. I am a bit, I'm not afraid to say this and I don't say this often about athletes. I'm a big fan of Fred Van Vliet. I think he has a really unique perspective on a lot of things, not just sports. And I always appreciate the conversations that we have because he brings something. I can't put my finger on what it is, Jesse, mm -hmm. but he brings something different every time he's asked questions. It's a, it's a level of self-awareness that yeah. is just so lost on you know, so people, many. not just athletes. But, but it's also people. like he's got the self-awareness, but he also has the intelligence yeah. like to put things in very succinct perspective it's a skill it's, oh. it's a remarkable skill that he has after every game to just be able to, to wax poetic like he does uh, there's a lot of people writing in about um, the sweatshirt just, yeah, sure. yeah 
that one. So are we going to figure something out with this? Because the people I'm want I'm a friend it. sweatshirt? The I'm a friend, Tim and friend sweatshirt. A lot of people commenting. You hear my chair squeaking? Still squeaking, by the I way? I can, I can. Okay. Um, are we going to do uh, anything about it? The chair or the sweatshirt? <laughs> Both. Oh, I will bring sweatshirt some WD-40 for yeah. you tomorrow, and we will work on that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, as for the uh, the sweatshirt, yeah, we let's let's do some sort of giveaway where we Love give it. Uh, a couple of them away to people. Love it. Uh, well, thank you for the support to the viewers who, who like it, and uh, great job by you. And your chair. And why, my chair. Why? Because I made them. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> great job. Uh, okay. Let's get on with last call here uh, for the fifth straight season there will be a different NBA champion after the Bucks were eliminated by the Celtics on Sunday despite a disappointing game seven it was a great series in large part because of the showdown between Giannis and Jason Tatum the two superstars shared a moment after the game and Giannis was asked about their conversation it hurts it kind of hurts not to uh to win but at the end of the day like I'm the way my mom raised me, my dad raised me, like I'm a good human being and I gotta, you know, wish, uh, you know, the guy, the guy, you know, and uh, Tatum and his team, you know, the best for uh, for them moving forward. Um, you know, I think they played uh, great, they was able to win the series and uh, I wish him best of luck uh, for him to continue uh, playing great and uh, lead his team to, uh, hopefully a championship. Uh, I think uh, they're a great team. Uh, they have a get great chemistry and uh, they have an opportunity to uh, win one. So I told him that, um, gave him my respect. Um, he gave me his respect back. So that was it. <laughs> is there a more uh, likable athlete on the planet? I know you just said how much you like Fred Van Vliet, but Giannis has got to be up there too, right? I, I just wish more people would appreciate Giannis. It feels like that's like Pat Beverly is chirping Chris Paul from the side. Like, I the the, the complete contrast into what gets publicity in the United States of America versus what we respect as human beings is so far apart right now that I wish that people would just look at Giannis and go, we want more people to be like, I know it's not fodder for this or this. But more people need to be like Giannis. It is amazing to see. And I feel like he's almost hurt by the fact that he's just a good dude. He is. He, he certainly seems like a good dude. And it feels like pettiness is being rewarded more than being kind and gracious. Yeah, look around. Yeah, that's, yes. that's it. Like, that's Pat Bev. Pat Bev today on first take. That's what it is. Pettiness rules Did the Pat day. Did Pat Bev go on first take He today? went on first take. And, yeah, like, I saw him tweeting. Eviscerated Chris Paul. And then Matt Barnes already responded and said, don't disrespect one of the great players in the NBA like that. It's just it's pettiness all around in the NBA. That's what people sign up for, I guess. Uh, okay. Tiger Woods played a practice round on the back nine at Southern Hills today as he prepares for this week's PGA Championship, second major of the year. Tiger played the front nine on Sunday and says that his surgically repaired right knee is a lot stronger than it was five weeks ago Here we go again. at the Masters. Here we go again. Tiger finished 47th at Augusta. What would you, Tim, consider a good result for Tiger this week? Okay, so I saved you some money on betting on Tiger Woods at Augusta and you were mad at me along with Elliot Friedman after round one, right? Remember that? Remember? Yep, yep. Elliot Friedman said to you, you've worked with Tim long enough. Why would you listen to him? And in the end, Uncle Timmy was right. Tiger's gonna need a long time to get back, even though he is one of the 
most prolific workers in the history of sports. I would say if he was a top 30, that would be a really good next step for Tiger at a major. And let's be, let's be fair here, this field will be bigger than what you saw at Augusta, uh, which is typically a smaller field. I'm with you. It's hard to imagine him competing right now. In the field, these guys are so good, Tim. Right. In a field of this magnitude, they're better than they were when he was in his prime, and he's only getting older, do and you, it's becoming harder. Do you think Do you think that Tiger would take that as a positive step, a top 30? Or do you think because Tiger is so focused on being Tiger of the past, that that's the thing that I worry about when it comes to Tiger Woods, is that he won't be able to accept mediocrity. I think when he tees it up, he thinks he can win, but he's also content when he ends up not Oh, you think winning. so? Yeah. I think he's okay with it at this point. Do you remember Not that? when he tees it up day one. Do you, do you remember when they asked him if he thought he could win? And he said yes. Do you think he's content yes. with 30? Yeah. Uh, we'll see. Uh, Liverpool kept their hopes alive for the unprecedented quadruple, beating Chelsea on penalties, penalties in the FA Cup final Sunday. Liverpool also beat... Chelsea on penalties back in February to win the League Cup. And if this video is any indication, tensions between supporters of the two clubs remain high. Do you think Liverpool will pull so off the quadruple? Good. Who cares? Can we see that video again? Go for it. There's so many different layers on this thing. There's the age of the guys. There's the fact that he's hiding his flag. There's the fact that the guys call him out. There's the bad throw. There's the boom goes the dynamite. There's the cane. There's the walking boot that he's wearing, ready to fight in the walking boot. This is rivalry at its best. If all of them could start with what looks like a fight and ends with no fight, I would sign up for that every time because that was just pure comedy. Too much fighting these days. There's also a fight between Leaf fans in the upper bowl uh, after game seven. Yeah, I saw What's that. What's going on, on the, here? All the buzzes and the, the buzzes, area codes yeah. and all those things. Yeah, it was yeah. everywhere. Yeah, I guy lost his shirt, too. Yeah. <laughs> it was ugly. It was ugly. If you're going to get into a fight, lose your shirt. There's like, nothing to hold on to. It's, yeah, go the whole nine yards. Why not? That does it for us. Jays and Mariners about to get going on Sportsnet and Sportsnet 1. Yanks, Orioles, if you want, on Sportsnet now. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Actually, I'm off. All right, sure.